The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. to another episode of the Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who's just looking for sanctuary! Sanctuary! Now, welcome, welcome Jacob. Well, just let you know, be like, you can't cry sanctuary when you're not in the church. But technically, most quote-unquote churches, their auditoriums are not called sanctuaries anymore. That's true. They're called, like, worship centers and Very true. other super fancy names because they don't want they don't want to sound old-fashioned uh, very true but anyway yeah why thank you let me use our co-host a man who for some strange and bizarre reason continues to ring those freaking bells all freaking night and somebody can't get any sleep welcome true remember how when we tried to do this yesterday i said i wish i had bells yes guess what i didn't do you, have, you find a bell you don't have any bells. I don't have any bells. <laughs> I didn't even go to Taco Bell. Oh, wow. But anyway, yeah, if you hadn't caught from what I just said, uh, this is our second recording of this episode, and y'all will not hear the other version unless you know where to look in one particular spot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, this is what happens. Like this. this is what happens when you don't double check your settings. Yes. So... This is our second time we're reviewing The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And we can't claim this is a rewind because the first episode never came out. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, You want to go ahead and jump into the spoiler-free section? Sure. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. So this is my second viewing. Okay. The first time I watched this film... Well, I didn't watch it back in the 90s when it came out for two reasons. Yeah. One, I live I lived a half an hour to 45 minutes away from a movie theater. Fair enough. And two, there was a boycott on at the time. Uh yes, I heard about that. Because and honestly, I'm sure there was a good reason, but this was the, not the movie to boycott cuz this is actually pretty decent religious film indeed which is odd coming from disney but yeah come on sbc come on anywho yeah so i didn't watch this film until like five years ago i think Mm -hmm. i'd have to actually go and look and see when uh underrated who later became franchise fatigue who is on our pop americana uh, net was on our Pop Americana Network before yes. they finished. Uh, see, when they actually recorded Hunchback, because that was the only reason I originally went back and watched this, because they talked about it. I thought, you know, I've never seen that film. I always meant to. Yeah. Let me see if I can find reasons they're wrong on yeah. why this film, this, there's no way this film was that good. Oh, okay. Fair. And at the time, I think I did come up with a lot of uh, complaints, but a lot of them were because I was looking looking to hate it. Yeah, and you know what happens when you watch something, yeah, exactly. wanting to hate it. It excuse your. You view. find a lot of things to hate, which you don't need to hate. Yeah. So this viewing, I did try to go in with a much cleaner, clearer uh, head. Mm-hmm. Tried to take it as objectively as I could. Yeah. As objectively as we ever, all any time we do any of these, because we're not very objective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
I, I I actually enjoyed it a lot better this time. I, I'm not. Sh- I still have to wonder why Disney made this because this is definitely not a movie for kids. They were definitely aiming at more of a maybe preteen to teenage audience. Yeah, that's what it seems like in this film. Because that's the other thing is I would have been. So this was 95, 96? 96. 96. I would have been s- 10 Eight. years old. Eight? 96? Yeah. That would have been 10. Okay, so yeah, that, I'm, I'm going to 12. Yeah, I would have been 10 years old when this came That's out. Right. Um, it's the other thing. we were. We, it was the other ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I would have been 10 when this came out, and I had no interest when it came out either. So there's a third reason I didn't go see this right. film. Um. And this was the first Disney film I didn't see in theaters. Mm-hmm. Or I, I, no, no, I take that back. I had never, I didn't see a movie in theaters until Meet the Robinsons of all films. Yeah. Uh, this was the last one I didn't see when it was still relatively new on home video. Mm-hmm. This is the first one I didn't rent. Oh, okay. From Movie House, Movie Palace. Hmm. Or was it Movie House? I think it was Movie House at the time. We didn't have a blockbuster. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. That was uh, I didn't watch Disney again until uh, we kind of were, I was kind of forced to watch it at a drama club thing, and they were showing off. Oh, hey, we're gonna watch Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove. What's that? That's oh, a Disney film. Oh, I haven't watched Disney in years. I've, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you'll enjoy this. There's no singing, but I like singing. <laughs> I don't know, you know, all the other Disney musicals, all Disney films, they just break out in song for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a musical. It's like, no, 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 this is that's not what this is. And we're not talking about Emperor's New Groove. I don't know why I'm continuing with this, other than I think it's a funny story. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's weird is I'll get into this later. This really isn't a musical in this movie in particular. It's an opera mm-hmm. in a way. But yeah, uh, we'll Agreed. get to that. We'll get to that. Agreed. Uh, so, yeah, if you're looking for it and... Uh, Maybe the little kids mm-hmm. maybe not be interested in watching this, but you know, preteens and older should enjoy this. Yeah. Older kids. Oh, what, what are your spoiler free thoughts? My spoiler free thoughts on this film. Uh, so I was in the same boat as Drew be like when it came around in 96, you know, there was this boycott and my family would go periodically church to church and, it's like, yeah, it's like, like I, I kept being told, be like, yeah, don't go watch Hunchback. It's a terrible film. And uh, so I didn't, I just avoided it. And so I think uh, through Disney Movie Club, the subscription where you can order movies or they'll send you monthly, monthly orders. And uh, just happened to be, be like, they sent me the two pack on, on a uh, Blu-ray mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? I've never watched this film, so why not? I give it a shot. And uh, I wound up really enjoying this film. I love the themes. I love the story. You love the characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I was just kind of blown away. I was like, wow, this is a very underrated Disney movie that is very well done. And so, yeah, I... I thoroughly enjoy this film like yeah it's got little like minor 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 uh issues with it but overall this is a fantastic film fantastic indeed so that's pretty much our spoiler free thoughts why don't we go ahead and jump into the full full spoiler filled section the following is a spoiler filled review for the movie disney's the hunchback of notre dame 
Listener discretion is advised. The Hunchback of Notre Dame was directed by Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise. It was, well, this being a Disney Renaissance film, Mm -hmm. there's a ton of writers. Yeah, just a few. So uh, let's see if I how many of these I can get in one breath, shall we? Yeah, do it. Tab Murphy, Irene Mechie, Bob Zudiker, Noni White, Jonathan Roberts, Kevin Karki, Gayton Brizzy, Paul Brizzy, Ed Gomer, Brenda Chapman, Jeff Snow, Jim Capabianco, Dennis Rich, Bernie Mattinson, John Sanford, Kelly Whiteman, Jamie Fuji, Gui, I already broke it. Yeah. Guy Badeau, Floyd Norman, Francis Gibbous, Kirk Hansen, Christine Blum, Susie Nichols, and Will Finn. I'm exhausted just listening to it. Yeah, because that's the weird thing about Disney from this era mm-hmm. is they didn't differentiate what writers did what. They just gave all the writers equal credit, mm-hmm. whether they were just the script writers or they were just dialogue massagers. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Because that's what a lot of happens a lot of times with these. Right. But anyway, this is, of course, based on the novel Notre Dame du Paris by Victor Hugo. Getting into the cast, we've got Tony Hulse playing Quasimodo, and uh, he played Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart in Amadeus. Demi Moore played Esmeralda, Mm -hmm. and in Ghost, she played Molly Jensen. We got Tony Jay playing Judge Claude Frollo. Mm -hmm. We probably both know him from Shere Khan and Tailspin. Yes. But I know him best as the computer virus known as megabytes yes. in reboot yeah be like if you guys have never seen reboot oh it's, man it's that's an old show back great in the 90, show 94 95 years so mm-hmm. it was like one of the first cg films, first cg tv shows yeah i mean like it was cheesy and corny is all out but when you get to certain seasons be like it's good and then it's like oh my gosh they're playing a game with every single episode. There is a very good reason Hasbro went to that team to make Beast Wars. Mm-hmm. And it shows. Yes. Anyway, continuing on. Beast Wars. Kevin Klein played Captain Phoebus. Mm-hmm. And in the uh, Will Smith classic film Wild Wild West, wicked, wicked wild. he played Artemis Gordon. Paul Kandel played Clopin Trulifo. Yeah. That was the uh, jester narrator yes, puppeteer yes. dude yeah i love his design yes i love that design and he played a character named pierre dupont in something called sally hemming and american scandal he did not have many things to pick from on his cast list okay that's that's why i went with something like that gotcha charles kimbro uh relation no relation, no relation to you no, okay love- you can tell we're using the same jokes from yesterday no. <laughs> He played Victor, the taller of the gargoyles. Mm -hmm. And in Murphy Brown, he played a character named Jim Dial. And it was like over 200 episodes he played this character in Murphy Brown. Yeah. Jason Alexander played Hugo. And he was George Costanza in Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. Mary Wicks played Laverne. And she, in in the Christmas classic White Christmas... Mm. She played uh, Emma Allen, the uh, wife of the B&B owner. Oh, okay. David Ogden stars. Mm-hmm. Were you about to say something? That was like good movie. White huh. Christmas. Amazing yeah. movie. David Ogden stars played the Archdeacon. And in Pocahontas, he played Governor Radcliffe. 
but we probably more know him from playing a clock in another film. Yeah. And the bees. And our good buddy Frank Welker. Of course, he played the baby bird and Jolly <laughs> the in goat. this film. The goat. Because Frank Welker, Frank is, Welker the is the goat. Let's be honest. Yes. And uh, you know when I do these. Yes. I always try to pull up for Frank Welker. I always try to pull something different because yeah. we know he was Megatron. We know he's Scooby-Doo. Yeah. We know he's every animal that mm-hmm. Disney ever needs a voice for Yeah, up until uh, what's his name? Who played the chicken in uh, Moana? Oh, you had to put me on the spot right there. He's K2SO and Rogue One. Also, yes. I cannot, and I can't think of his name. Firefly fans just screw me at the yeah I know screw me like because he's in that too <laughs> this guy but anyway yeah uh, until until Disney got a hold of him and now they hire him for all their animal right. sidekicks right but um I had to pick something here that was brand new that you're gonna hate me for bringing up oh no he was he played the character William which was Fred's dad in Velma. Don't ever speak of that show again. It was evil. It was incarnate. Thank uh, you. Francis. Alan, Alan Alan, Tudyk. Yeah, it's Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. Thank I couldn't, you. I couldn't think of his name. He's not in this film. No, he's not. He's just replaced Frank Welker for all the animals. <laughs> uh, getting into our Kingdom Hearts connections. You want to guess how many? Uh, and I will give you a hint. Okay. The... Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame level in Kingdom Hearts yeah. was uh, would have come out sometime around 2012. Okay. I'm going to go with five. One, two, three, four. One, one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine, okay. Nine, actually. Yeah. Assuming I'm counting correctly. So we'll start off with Frank Welker, mm-hmm. who played Baby Bird and Jolly in this. And he played Experiment 221 Sparky in the same game oh, as okay. Hunchback. Oh, okay. Jim Cummings. Of course. <laughs> was the voices of the guards and the gypsies in this. I didn't bring him up because he's extra brace, extras, basically. Yeah, but he's Frank Welker. You mean Jim Cummings? Jim Cummings, sorry. I get these two <laughs> gentlemen mixed up all the time, but well, they're both phenomenal, and they're both the ghosts of animation voices. Well, in Kingdom Hearts, he played Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Ed, Pete, the Cheshire Cat, and Julius. Hmm. David Ogden Steers, who was the archdeacon in this, played both Cogsworth and Dr. Jumba Jukiba hmm. and Doc Okay. in Kingdom Hearts. Gotcha. Corey Burton, who was the brutish guard and additional voices in this, is the p- person with the most credits in Kingdom Hearts. Okay. So, hang on. Okay. Yen Sid, Ansem the Wise, Zeus, Dale, Claude Frollo, point there, Captain Hook, Magic Mirror, Sark, the Master Control Program, Santa Claus, Shan Yu, the Peddler, the White Rabbit, and the Doorknob. That's just a lot of different characters. That's a lot of characters to keep up. But with. I want to point out, he is, because Tony J would have passed by the time this game came out. Right. It is Corey Burton who replaced him as Claude Frollo. Oh, okay. Roger, Roger. K- uh, Kathy Sushi, mm-hmm. who was additional voices in this, played Sally, Shock, and the one line from Sora's mother. Uh, 
A woman we never see again, apparently. So far, we haven't. So far. Bill Farmer was additional voices here, and he played Goofy, Pluto, Horace Horsecaller, and Sleepy in Kingdom Hearts. Tony Anselmo didn't play a character in this. Really? He was actually the associate lead key cleanup animator for the Gypsies, Guards, and others. Because hmm. he's actually more of an animation anima, animator than a voice actor. True. He just happens to also be able to do the voice of Donald Duck. Yeah. Because I certainly can't. I certainly can't. I, certainly can't. I could do a Scooby-Doo all day, but not. Yeah, I can't. Does make sense? Yeah. Jason Alexander was Hugo in both. Hmm. And Charles Kimbrough was Victor in both. Ah. So, yeah, that's our Kingdom Hearts connections. What do we got in info and stuff? All right, so info and stuff. On IMDb, we have a 7.1 7 out of 10. Uh, it's available to watch on Disney Plus if you subscribe to Disney Plus. Uh, production was Walt Disney Pictures and Walt Disney Animated Features. Distribution was Bonavista Pictures Distributor Distribution. I always say that wrong. Distribution. Distribution. I always say that word wrong. For some strange and bizarre reason. I don't know why. It's a bit of a tongue twister. It is a tongue twister. But uh, release date. So, knowing we did this yesterday. Well, like I remember. So I actually do. Actually, now that you said that, <laughs> it just came to mind what where, where, where you're about to ask. Darn it! But continue to ask the question. All right. So where was where was uh, Hunchback to Notre Dame first review or seen in the United States? For fun, I'm going to give my first answer from yesterday first. Walt Disney World. Oh, of course not. Because no. that, that would actually make sense. That would make sense, but no, it's not. No, no. It was actually at the Superdome in, in New Orleans. In Nolans. Yeah. Yeah, Nolans. I got to say it correctly. Yeah. Nolans. But yes, it was. Yeah, I, Here's the thing. I, I, I may, it makes sense to some degree because this takes place in France, mm -hmm. and we bought Louisiana, including or the, the Orleans colony. We bought mm -hmm. from France, so there's that connection. From Napoleon. But, yes, from Napoleon. But it makes less sense when you consider. I, I, I would, I would be willing to bet Princess and the Frog did not get shown at the Superdome. At that. Point, maybe. Which would make far more sense. I, I agree. I agree. We'll find that and out. It was, and it was actually based in in Nolans. In Nolans. We will find that uh, out Nolans. later this year. Yes. <laughs> All right. So going forward, uh, yes, it was uh, shown in the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana, on June nineteenth, nineteen ninety six. And the whole reason we say New Orleans is because our pastor and his wife. Their last Nolans. Yeah, Nolans. Be like, it's actually, you know, I know it looks like it's spelled N E W space yeah, O R L E A N S. Yeah, New Orleans. But in reality, it's spelled N A W, sorry, apostrophe N A W L I N S. Nolans. Okay. <laughs> but either or, it was uh, shown there on June 19th and it was uh, distributed nationwide. On the 21st of the same month. Mm -hmm. All right. So our box office. Just for funsies. What kind of how much do you think this movie had? I guess too low yesterday. Yes, I know that. Yes. I want to say you said somewhere close to 12 million. No. Or was that they, the budget? Think, uh, no, the budget of this movie. 
No, that's what I meant to say with the budget of this film. If I said that wrong, I apologize. Was the budget twelve million? No. What was it? A hundred million. Oh. And what did it do? Make twelve million domestically? Uh because of a boycott? Uh yeah. Well, you're not wrong. It's it's first opening weekend starting in June twenty-third of two thousand uh, 2000 this is 1990s 1996 uh in the united states canada was 21 million dollars that's bad yeah that is terrible opening so nowadays they would just condemn the film to it's oh it's gonna die a terrible horrible death in theaters in in that instance it would have left uh it would have left no how how long does strange world say in theaters two weeks Um, a month but no, 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 it was in there for like uh, about a month. It was in there. For I think that's yeah, because that's standard Disney runtime because that's how, what they negotiate. Yeah, no, but still, was, there would not have like been an ex- it was like two weeks, it was in two weeks in yeah. theaters, two weeks in theaters, and then, and then within a month, month it was on Disney on Plus. Yeah, because how bad this movie did. And now, yeah. granted, I've never granted, seen it, I have not seen it, I have no idea how bad this film actually yeah. is. Yeah, I suspect I'm not going to enjoy it, but I will still go into it with an open mind, exactly when the time comes. All right, so had a Run out of, well, the first terrible run out of the box. Uh, it made its budget back by a little bit. By its U.S. gross was one hundred point one million dollars. It's this is domestic and you go international. It made much made far better with three thirty five three hundred thirty five point three million dollars. So, yeah, this movie did well. It just didn't do well domestically. Right. So, home release. Uh, the Hunchback in Notre Dame was released on VHS standard SLV. Do you remember what that was? So, SLV and was it SVA? SAL. SAL. Yeah. I love it when it gets tongue-tied. It's SLV and SAV. It's like RC. Mm. So I, I know the I know LV and CAV. Okay, that's like constant linear velocity mm-hmm. and constant angular velocity. It refers to how laser discs were pressed. The uh, one of them was shorter than the other true. because it it kept it at the same. It rotated the discs at the same mm-hmm. speed while the other one. Uh, would change the speed depending on whether the laser was closer to the rim or closer mm. to the label. Exactly. Do not ask me which one's which. I don't know, and I'm not going to go look it up again. But uh, that was the difference because I mean, one of them you had 30 minutes of, of runtime, mm-hmm. and the other one you had t- uh, like an hour on both, an hour, like an hour and 15 minutes on both sides. Oh, okay. That's what I remember from looking yeah. that up yesterday. Yes. So now you know the difference. If you ever care about laser discs, exactly. Okay, uh, was released on November, November, March fourth, nineteen ninety seven, under the Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection label. In the mid 1998 uh, they apparently it made on VHS alone sales was two hundred million dollars. It was originally planned for a DVD release on November, uh, December 2000 as a part of the Walt Disney Gold Collection, Gold Collection, or Gold Classics Collection that we got it right. Instead, it was re-released on March 
19th, 2000, 2002, as a special edition with, with its direct to, direct, direct to video sequel, Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. Uh, Walt Disney Studio Home Entertainment released Hunchback of Notre Dame on Blu ray for the first time, along with its sequel, uh, with a special edition two movie collection on March 2nd, 2013. Now, as I said before, it does have a sequel, which came out in 2002, titled called The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. Such a creative name. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's all I have for info and stuff. All right. Uh, before we go on, artsy stuff in our chat had a question. Mm. I'm curious why on earth there was a movie boycott at that time. I was a tiny bean. Ah, okay. So the reason there was a boycott at the time mm. was the Southern Baptist Convention, a.k.a. the it's not really the it's the governing body of Baptist churches, but they only technically exist, what, twice a year? Well, they, the, the Southern Baptist Convention because it's because we're a top because Baptists are top are bottom up instead of top to bottom. Yeah, we're bo- we're bottom the, up. The, the convention only exists because we say it exists. Yeah, it, at the time it's because we the, still can do uh, Baptist churches can still do whatever they want because the Southern Baptist Convention is a body yeah. which the like churches are a part of which they can't dictate anything because like right. our church for example is a Southern Baptist church so we are we are uh what's the word. We are we are our own thing. We are not governed yeah, by anybody. Exactly. So, but we send people to go vote for stuff that yeah, exactly. to fund we send, we send to, money for the cooperative stuff. program and exactly. stuff like that. Either way, yeah. the, at this time, uh, it was the, a lot of the Southern Baptist uh, SBC uh, affiliated churches mm-hmm. were uh, had put out a boycott, not just on this film in particular, but Disney in general, due to some issues that uh would be considered laughable as much as uh, let's just say we're far worse than what they were boycotting now yeah um in terms of uh those kind of relations but uh this movie really brought it was like this the straw that broke the camel's back because supposedly i remember they were saying that esmeralda was being what was that was i don't remember if it was because she was uh, so scantily dressed and was moving and the way she moves so sexily Something in this like that i'm sure hellfire did not help matters no probably. Uh, especially when we get to some trivia on that but uh there was just that kind of, it was it was said just don't take your kids to this film basically is what it comes down to that's really all it was uh granted i was not even wanting to see this film as a kid so it didn't even affect me that much other than we technically broke the boycott to watch toy story (laughs) so yeah that's what the boycott was right on that note yes summary if i can go to summer i can type this the story is narrated by clopin a romani puppeteer to a group of children a group of Romani. Uh, okay, my thing says Roma throughout throughout the rest yeah, of this, but Roma. is Roma and Romani is the same thing, right? Yeah, it's just okay. You know, I'm gonna say Romani because I think that's more accurate. Uh, a group of Romani immigrating to Paris are ambushed by Judge Claude Frollo, Paris's Minister of Justice, and his soldiers. One woman attempts to flee with her baby, reaching the doors of Notre Dame, pleading for sanctuary. Frollo chases her down and knocks her onto the cathedral steps, where she fractures her skull and dies. Seeing the baby's appearance, Frollo believes it to be a demon and tries to drown the child, but is interrupted by the archdeacon, who scolds Frollo for murdering an innocent woman. 
Afraid for his soul, Frollo reluctantly agrees to raise the child as his own, naming him Quasimodo, meaning half-formed, and hiding him away in the cathedral's bell tower. Twenty years later, Quasimodo has grown into a kind yet isolated young man, now with a pronounced hunchback caused by cathosis. Mm -hmm. He has lived his entire life in the cathedral with only his only company being a trio of living stone gargoyles, Victor, Hugo, and Laverne. The gargoyles encourage him to attend the annual Festival of Fools, despite Frollo's warnings that he would be shunned for his appearance. Quasimodo attends and is celebrated for his appearance, but then, prompted by Frollo's guards, is humiliated by the crowd. Frollo refuses Quasimodo's pleas for help, but he is rescued by Esmeralda, a kind traveler. Frollo, who intends to commit genocide against the Romani people living in Paris, orders her arrest, but Esmeralda escapes using a magic trick. Quasimodo retreats back into the cathedral, followed by Esmeralda and Captain Phoebus of Frollo's guard. Phoebus refuses to arrest her for witchcraft inside Notre Dame and instead tells Frollo that she has claimed asylum. Esmeralda finds and befriends Quasimodo, who helps her escape Notre Dame out of gratitude uh, for defending him. She entrusts Quasimodo with a pendant containing a map to the Romani hideout called the Court of Miracles. Frollo develops an obsessive lust for Esmeralda, and upon realizing this, begs the Virgin Mary to save her from her spell and save him from her spell and avoid eternal damnation. When Frollo discovers that Esmeralda escaped, he searches for her, bribing and arresting travelers and setting fire to houses while trying to find her. Phoebus defies Frollo when ordered to burn down a house with a family inside, and Frollo orders him executed. Phoebus flees, but is struck by an arrow and falls into the River Seine, where he is found by Esmeralda and taken to Notre Dame for refuge. The gargoyles encourage Quasimodo to confess his feelings to Esmeralda, but he is heartbroken to discover she and Phoebus have fallen in love. Realizing that Quasimodo helped Esmeralda escape, Frollo tells him he knows about the Court of Miracles and plans to attack it at dawn. Using the map Esmeralda gave him, Quasimodo, Quasimodo and Phoebus find the court to warn the Romani only for Frollo to follow him, follow them and capture all the travelers present. When Esmeralda again rejects Frollo's advances, he attempts to burn her at the stake at the Place du Parvis. But Quasimodo swoops down and carries her to the cathedral tower, crying, Sanctuary! from the ledge. When Frollo attempts to seize the cathedral, Phoebus releases the Romani and rallies the Paris citizens against Frollo's guards. Quasimodo and the gargoyles pour molten lead onto the streets to prevent anyone entering, but Frollo himself manages to break into the cathedral beforehand. Violating the tradition of sanctuary, he pursues Quasimodo and Esmeralda to the bell tower with the intent of killing them both. He and Quasimodo fight, eventually both falling from a ledge. Frollo plummets to his death in the molten lead while Quasimodo is saved by Phoebus. Quasimodo accepts Phoebus and Esmeralda's love, and they encourage him to leave the cathedral. When he does so, the people of Paris hail him as a hero. Getting into the trivia for this. The opening musical number, The Bells of Notre Dame, is, according to Alan Menken, the best opening number he has ever written. The song Hellfire is considered one of the darkest songs written for Disney film and was nearly cut from the film. Hmm, I wonder why. Yeah, because for the scene when Judge Frollo sings Hellfire and sees Esmeralda dancing in the fire before him, the Motion Picture Association of America insisted that the Disney animators make Esmeralda's clothing more well-defined as she seemed nude. Hmm. In the novel, Frollo is actually the archdeacon. The filmmakers decided to change the character to a judge because they felt it would make much more, be much more sinister to have control over the city and therefore would not be questioned in his attempts to destroy the gypsies. 
There were also concerns that religious groups would be offended by a priest being portrayed as sinister and corrupt, which might have also justified the change. When Quasimodo is singing out there, the camera pans over Paris and zooms in on a street. In this scene, Belle from Beauty and the Beast is seen walking and reading her book. She walks out the bottom of the screen to the right of the well. Pumbaa from The Lion King is being carried on a pole by two men carried out of the bottom of the screen, but left of the well. And another man in a gray blue tunic is shaking out the carpet from Aladdin. Huh. According to the commentary on the DVD, when Kevin Klein did the voice of Phoebus, the directors gave him a sword so that he'd portray the role. Uh, well, they also named the horse Achilles because it was funny to hear him say Achilles heel. Hilarious. <laughs> This film was the final feature film credit for veteran actress Mary Wicks, who died before finishing all her lines. A vocal stand-in, Jane Withers, recorded her remaining lines. Withers had to match Wicks' voice and performances so that audiences wouldn't detect the difference. She reprised this role in the sequel, The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. To stay consistent to the architecture and details of Notre Dame, animators spent several weeks in and around the actual cathedral. They were given office space at the recently opened Disneyland Paris in the interim. Esmeralda has emerald green eyes, the reason presumably being because Esmeralda in the is the Spanish and Portuguese word for emerald. During the Middle Ages, green eyes were often considered to be a sign of either magic, evil, and or witchcraft, which explains why Disney's earlier villains had green eyes and therefore... As such, was the, the color was restricted only to villains. This explains why she was designed to look malicious despite being the heroine and why Frollo, who is outright evil, actually sees her as being evil despite her true good nature. Originally, the three gargoyles were going to be named Cheney, Lawton, and Quinn after the three actors who had played Quasimodo in other adaptations of the story, Lon Cheney, Charles Lawton, and Anthony Quinn. The original voices of the gargoyles, respectively, were going to be Sam McMurray, Charles Kimbrough, and Cindy Lauper. After Disney's legal department objected to using the actors' names, the Disney anim animators renamed two of the gargoyles as Victor and Hugo. Director Kirk Wise came up with the third name Laverne after Laverne Andrews of the Andrews Sisters. After several years, the characters of the gargoyles were changed to make them reflect three sides of Quasimodo's personality. Eventually, the directors realized that they had to recast two of the voices. Charles Kimbrough was kept on to voice Victor, but McMurray and Lopper were, were reluctantly let go. In their places... The director cast Jason Alexander as Hugo and Mary Wicks as Laverne. Nathan Lane was also considered for the voice of Hugo, but was unavailable due to his Broadway commitments. And as I said yesterday at this point, uh, Mary Wicks at no point ever played the Wicked Witch of the West. Because what one scene makes you think she did. Yeah. But uh, no, that was included because uh, Kirk Wise and uh, the other director, who I don't have his name in front of me right now, kind of big fans of uh uh the wizard of oz yeah like to the people. point where they went and either i don't know if they wrote or directed wicked no the uh the they were involved in production the, of wicked the, the songwriter there was the a songwriter, songwriter. okay the songwriter of this movie went on to uh produce wicked that's what i was trying to remember yes Despite, play, by the way. Yeah. Despite Frollo claiming to be a righteous man, he displays some form of all seven of the seven deadly sins in the lyrics of Hellfire. Mm -hmm. This was likely done intentionally to show his hypocritical way of thinking. The lines, Of my virtue I am justly proud, and you know I'm so much purer than the common, vulgar, weak, li licentious crowd, showing him displaying pride, 
considered the most dangerous of the seven, as it is often used to justify the other six deadly sins or even to deny committing them in the first place, as shown here. This is displayed frequently in the song and the film as a whole and could be considered the first he has committed. Frollo's intense desire for Esmeralda to be his and his alone show lust, envy, and greed. Lust for the intense sexual desire for Esmeralda, especially her body alone. Envy towards anyone who might who, who may gain her affections and greed for seeing her merely as an item to be gained and wanting her intensely, even though he doesn't actually need her. His intent to destroy her if she does not comply is an example of anger and wrath. Frollo claiming it to not be his fault, he is sinning and blaming Esmeralda for tempting him, can be seen as an act of sloth, as he is not taking the initiative to better himself, nor taking responsibility for his own sins. And gluttony is sometimes interpreted as selfishness, displayed when Frollo says he will burn down all of Paris, despite that what it would do to the innocence of the city, to get to Esmeralda. In the book, sorry, I did this again yesterday. Quasimodo's mother dies after being pushed on the ground and hitting her head. Yeah. In the novel, this is how Esmeralda's mother dies. Mm -hmm. Because in the in the actual book, Quasimodo's mother, who is a gypsy, is the one who steals Esmeralda from her cradle oh. and leaves Quasimodo behind in her place. Ideally, because she is pretty and he is deformed. She leaves behind one red baby slipper, which Esmeralda's mother uses to attempt to find her. Hmm. Esmeralda is given the other slipper and is told if she stays virtuous, that she will find her birth mother again. Quasimodo, on the other hand, is left at Notre Dame by Esmeralda's birth mother, due to his appearance, to be adopted. He is completely unwanted by the people of the town and is taken in by Claude Frollo, who, once again, as I mentioned, was actually the archdeacon in the original story, who keeps him in the bell tower. This plot point is vastly different from the Disney version, where Quasimodo's mother is a virtuous woman who dies on the steps of Notre Dame in an attempt to save her baby. The filmmakers briefly considered having Quasimodo killed off, since that is his fate in the original novel. He was originally supposed to be stabbed by Frollo, then Esmeralda, regaining consciousness, tries to save him by killing Frollo. Phoebus was then supposed to meet up with him, and Quasimodo's last wish was to ring the bells one last time. Mm. They take him to the bells, then Esmeralda and Phoebus help him up to ring the bells as he dies. The final shot was going to include Esmeralda and Phoebus crying over their best friend as the people of Paris cheer on, cheer for their success, unaware of Quasimodo's death. That sounds like a very cheerful ending to a Yes. Film. Luckily, this is not the ending that was used because even hardcore fans of the novel agree that the ending was that was used to say was a more suitable conclusion for the theme of this film. I'd love to know how the person who wrote this trivia knew that. Just saying insider information when frollo falls to into his falls to his fiery death this symbolizes his soul being trapped in hell suffering eternal damnation his final words in life were and he shall smite the wicked and plunge them into the fiery pit and that's why he went there mm. although most protagonists in disney animated theatrical releases are orphans this is the only this is only the fourth to portray the actual death of the parent on screen the previous films were bambi the Fox and the Hound, and The Lion King. In the Between The Lion King and Hunchback, the body of the parent is seen on screen, but blood is only shown in this film. Mm. Last but not least, Quasimodo bears a resemblance in the, to the 1939 film version that starred Charles Lawton mm. as the titular character. This includes including the scene where he carries an unconscious Esmeralda and lifts her up into the air, shouting, Sanctuary! Hmm. And that brings me to the end of the trivia. Ah, so what's your first like for this film? My first like of this film. Let me get to my notes. All right. So my first like of this film is actually the dark themes. Uh, this movie deals with a lot of really like 
I don't want to say touchy subject, but such as actual death of a character, death of a mother, and we actually see mm-hmm. it in on screen as it happens. Yeah, and granted, it's animated, but still, it's very brutal. It's a very brutal and very honest movie where, like, Hunchback be like, or Quasimodo, sorry, Quasimodo, is be like he's taken in by. Captain Fro- Frollo, sorry. I want to call him Captain Frollo, but his name is Captain Frollo. No, he's Judge. Judge Frollo. I'm sorry, Judge Frollo. And uh, and so be like, yeah, he's gaslighted the entire time. And this movie, be like, it deals with, you know, deals with death, deals with like a lot of sin on Judge Frollo's part, mm-hmm. which I, I kind of enjoy because they never really went back. Because there again, this is a movie that's trying not to be religious, but it's being religious in a way. Because it's kind of hard not to be with this story. That is true. That is so true. But Disney does a good job with it. Does it over with um not granted, they're not gonna go whole be like Jesus is Lord kind of thing. Right. Which be like that's us, but we, we can't expect the world to do what we want. Right. But uh so but like, yeah, the dark themes of the movie, I love to death. It's be like, oh, they're actually trying to burn down the church. Oh, how ironic that would happen a couple of 15, years, later. 15 years later. It was a 20. Yeah. It was in the last 10 years. So that would be 20. It would be 20 years from this film. Yeah. Ironically, mm-hmm. that Notre Dame burned in the movie. They were trying to burn it down, which is sad and- because the Notre Dame Cathedral was built in, I think, the 1500s, mm-hmm. which is sad. But at the same time, be like it's kind of ironic they're trying to burn the, the you know trying to burn the church down in the film, and it actually burns in real life. No, no connection whatsoever. But right. But I just thought I'd bring that up. But uh, I, I an interesting note. I'll let you get back to your point yeah. in a second. Yes. Do you know? Uh, did you know that there is an Assassin's Creed game that takes place in Paris, who had such good accurate mm-hmm. uh, accuracy with its version of the uh, of the cathedral mm-hmm. that they're actually using it to help them rebuild the I plans from that. This. Good jobs. Yeah, go Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the themes in this movie I love definitely when it talks about Judge Frollo. And his desires for Esmeralda and just goes in like, you know, there again, um, Quasi's, you know, Quasimodo's mother, the 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 heinous things that um, uh, Judge Frollo is doing mm-hmm. and the fact to be like, oh, we're going to execute the captain. Oh, you don't hear that all, all, all the time because there again, I wish Disney would go back to these darker themes and just not like fluffy and trying to be political. Are trying to be you know do social you know social things just do really really good stories we can drive you know just drive us in the theaters and we want to hear those stories come on disney but the darker uh, stuff has not really done well every oh, time i've tried I, it I know, I, I i'm know. just saying but deeper stories yes deeper stories that's just all good stories good, good stories. stories good stories come on disney you can do better um but yeah just the 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 storytelling and the themes are just amazing in this movie of a, 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 a boy who just be like, he's kind of been under under, he's an outcast and he kind of comes to his own. I'll get that in a little bit later. Right. So, yeah. What's your first, like the performance of Tony J as judge. Oh, Frollo. gosh. Yes. I love how they got Tony J does an exceptional job mm-hmm. as this character because yes. 
he is able to pull off what I can call both types of villains. Yes. The villains who are not, who in their own story, they're not the villain. Yes. They are the hero of their story because they think they're doing based on what they understand to be the right thing. But anyone who looks at him at from outside of their perspective says, no, you're not. And then at somehow at the same time, he's the other kind of villain, the snidely whiplash over there, twisting his mustache because he's so evil so deliciously evil it's like how do you do both at the same time they're diametrically opposed types and how is tony j doing both i know what it is yeah they intentionally cast Mm -hmm. the most evil sounding uh character actor on the planet like i said this guy was megabyte this guy was sheer con and not just tailspin but in the jungle book 2 he played that role he was also um do you remember in beauty and the beast the uh guy who runs the asylum that comes to pick up that uh yes that was that, that's him too yeah he plays he, a good villain he is a very good evil sounding villain which is uh which is good because this movie does kind of even though it asks you at the very beginning, can you tell who is the hero and who is the monster? Mm-hmm. And they pretty much tell you from like second one, judge Frollo's the villain. He's the monster. Everyone else is the hero, mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least Quasimodo, you know, is going to be the hero. You kind of know that going into it because yes. it's, it's not called the judge who saved Paris. Mm-hmm. It's called the hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously the one who you're claiming to be the monster is the monster. And he's going to, he's obviously not the one that's monstrous looking. You kind of see that coming, but it works so stinking well. Um, and of course uh, I'll get more into the songs here in a minute, but his song hellfire is oh, just, yes. it, it's one of the best Disney villain mm-hmm. songs because somehow, it, you know, it's not one I'm going to, I would put on in the car. Yeah. Sing along to, this is not a, be prepared or poor unfortunate souls type mm-hmm. of song where it's yes. it's kind of just fun to sing because you know how often do you get to pretend to be evil that is true this is not that kind of song because it's not really a sing-along type song mm-hmm. but it's still it's like oh so deliciously dark and disturbing and yet understandable Damn. yes and very understandable which is the scariest part of it yeah you can kind of you can kind of relate to him in some right twisted way because because that's the great thing about this particular villain he rationalizes mm-hmm. every action to the point where it's like I follow your train of thought but you're obviously wrong a little bit <laughs> so just a little bit yeah Tony J does an excellent job in this performance and I and I love it yeah what's your second like my second like would actually be one of the songs. Uh, God Help the Outcast, which mm-hmm. is sung by probably most of the cast. But what I remember, what I'm recalling... Mostly Esmeralda. Mostly Esmeralda, because she's stuck in Sanctuary inside Notre Dame, and she mm-hmm. can't leave because uh, Judge Frollo has got the entire church surrounded. So, yeah, she can't go anywhere. And so she's in mass and praying with people, and you hear people where... Uh, there's there's a great illustration where Jesus is talking about how we pray and uh, how we lift lift up praise to God, where it's this man he's literally be like, Lord, thank you so much for all this wealth and blessing mm-hmm. in my life, and be like, you know, you know, thank you that I'm not this person. Yeah. And then you have the 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 poor wit- widow, or they call her the widow mite, where she comes and be like, thanks God for 
life and endurance and everything and be like the the previous the other dude gives like a ton of money this gives bukus of money I think you've combined two different stories, but I get what you're going at. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, just, I'm thinking probably just the because you're, you're you're taking the wit is might where the one got the, the right. Pharisee gives like a ton of money. Yeah, and then the widow, and th- this wasn't a parable. This was actually something that happened in front of Jesus and the disciples. That's right. That's and right. she gives yeah, the little right. bit, and yeah. she, Jesus says she's given more than the, than the man did. Yeah, and the Pharisee did, and, and then that, and then. I th- it may even be within the same chapter. That's probably that, uh, That's probably it. That Jesus is telling the parable of the 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 right the self righteous man who's up there praying says, "Thank you for everything you've yes. given me. Thank you for all this, and thank you that I'm not like this poor uh, this this beggar man over here mm-hmm. mumbling and not and not doing anything." And then of course you got that guy's over there going, "I'm I'm I'm a horrible sinner." I, I, uh, you know he's yeah. and and he's actually he comes and the the, the the poor man is coming mm-hmm. comes away saved because he recognizes his fallen nature while the Pharisee is still sinning. Yeah. I think that's what you're getting at. Yes. Sorry. I am. I am. I'm Thank sorry you. to jump no, on that, but no, I, I got to think it's like, you've combined two different yes, stories. I, I have, but occasionally I do that by mistake, but thank you for interrupting and making it more clear because yeah. I was like, Oh, I didn't realize I was making those two. I was blending two, two, uh, two stories, but yeah, it's it's more because you you have all these other people that you know praising for wealth, praising for mm-hmm. this. And Esmeralda is simply like just be like those for the outcasts, and that's what Christ calls us to do is to you know uh, clothe and shelter the 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 widows, mm-hmm. and the needy, and the poor. And uh, we we look at our own. I think our our pastor made a very good point about like we we look at our worldly possessions and we think that's going to be the 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 top thing in our lives when it could when it should be be like serving god and having that relationship with christ in an intimate way rather than be like oh i go to church once a month or mm-hmm. i go to church only during easter or christmas but um yeah it's, it's having that intimate relationship with god and having that you know solid foundation in christ and you know the the outpouring of the holy spirit when it comes to doing good and it's not Oh, I gotta do good because it's gonna make me better. Or it's gonna have me send me to heaven. No, it's not because your works are uh, filthy rags. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because we're supposed to take care of those who are less fortunate than us, or be like, heck, us as Americans. Oh my gosh, we we are oh, so yeah, we're spoiled. We're spoiled rotten. Oh my gosh, and he just dropped his phone. <laughs> uh, but um, sorry, you're good. But um. It's like, yeah, you go to, uh, I went to Mexico for a mission trip uh, back in 09, back in 2009. And uh, they're going to be like, this is the middle of, this is like deep Mexico. And uh, these people don't have a whole lot. I mean, like they, they have, you know, just brick built or uh, uh, cinder block buildings, cinder block homes mm-hmm. with thatch roofs and the whole bit. And these people are just pr- like, you go into their sanctuary or their, their, uh, they go into your sanctuary and it's literally, it's, um, uh, like everything's handmade and just beautiful. It, it really humbles you for what, for what you have as an American. And then, you know, every once in a while, we like, we will lose our ever living minds if the cell service drops or, oh my gosh, I dropped my phone or, oh my gosh, my, 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 
$200 tennis shoes, you know, or the air conditioning goes out. Right. Well, if you live in Texas, that's, that, that's, like, that's oh my God, for, we're going to die. <laughs> admittedly, that's a bit of a selfish thought because it's like, it's what un, feels like 105 degrees outside right, right now. It's, right. It's an, it's a, it's a boiling pot outside. That is true right now. Yeah, that's true. So if I really don't want, I want the, about. I want the AC to stay on peace. Exactly. But yeah, we, we, we have, we, as Americans, we're very selfish and we're the, you know, first world problems when we don't think about those people that are, don't have anything and they're probably worshiping God more than we yeah. are. Yeah. So take that in mind. So yeah. All right, so yeah, I I enjoy that song where it's that great contrast mm-hmm. of people like thanking God for all their wealth, where it's Esmeralda for the outcasts and those who are in need, which is what we're supposed to do as Christians. So there we go. All right, what's your number two? The music in this film, yes. Unlike most Disney musicals, this isn't a musical. Because musicals generally are your everyone breaks out in song for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Opera, which is what this is more like, I wouldn't yeah. call it exactly opera because I mean it's, it's, it's it, 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 there is a lot of dialogue. But We're not singing the entire but, time. But the the the, the song, it, when you go into song, it fits better, uh, and and the, and the whole story kind of moves musically, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, from beginning to end. There is, uh, and a lot of it is because I, mean, I even mentioned, I think, yesterday when we were t- first recording this, it goes from God help the outcasts yes. to like a quick little interstitial thing as we're changing scenes to straight into hellfire. Talk about a mere, uh, a 90 degree turn. Yes. Because you, you, God help the outcast to hellfire desire. And I can't sing the whole thing. Um, it, I, I love the way this thing moves from one. It, it feels like it's all flows easily from one beginning to from beginning to end. Yes, there are moments of action. Yes, there are moments of, uh, uh, of dialogue and it's not all singing, but it's, it feels like an opera and I, and I like, I love that. I've not seen many operas. So my description of an opera could be very off, but from my understanding, this is very operatic at the very least. So yeah, I love that this moves like an opera. What is your third? Like my third, like, let me get back to my notes. I want to thank somebody in the chat real fast, but, um, so I just did it on yes. did somewhere else. Uh, so, Quasimodo. Quasimodo is a character. He is almost like Hercules from Zero to Hero. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing, except it's done ten times better. It's more of a it's 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 two different t- styles, but it's quasi goes from a young man who is one gaslit by yeah. quote unquote father who doesn't like him at all. Uh, but he's one of these very loyal. Gee, that characters. sounds like a parent in an upcoming movie. Yeah, exactly. That we're review, re-reviewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, mm. so what? It's. I'm trying not to get thrown off by that. That was good. That was very good. But uh, you have Quasimodo, who's a young man who's been gaslit his entire life. He is uh, literally an outcast. Uh, he has the deformity and uh, like his own father shuns him 
be like, oh, because you're nothing. Be like, you'll never do anything. Be like, you know, you have to obey me my entire time. Which be like, you know, obey your father. Be like, stay in your tower. Yeah, stay, stay in your tower. Yeah, Mother, I'm sorry, Mother Gothel. But you're like, I'm, I'm just gonna say this. I, I, I really, what, what Disney needs, to, I want, what I want Disney to do right now. Yeah. I need a short where Rapunzel and Quasimodo meet. Oh, heck. They yes. would have a lot to talk about. Yes, they would. They were like, oh, my God. Well, granted, be like quasi would be kind of shy. And then, you know, we all know. But that's Rapunzel, how, they, that's that's how they that's how they make the connection. That is true. They they both were stuck in towers by parents who really didn't like them. True. And both wanted to see the outside world. Oh, OK. And it took a man with with a, with a smolder to get them out. You're not kidding. You are not kidding. <laughs> Good. Oh my gosh! Yes, the connections <laughs> with this movie with Tangled, which came out in 2010, which we're reviewing, ne- re-reviewing next week. I might as well say it now. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I totally love, unplanned. By the way, totally unplanned. Totally unplanned. But yeah, just like you know, quasi, just be like he's you know the the down to luck kind of guy. He doesn't have the confidence. Kind of reminds me of me in some capacity. In some capacity. Um, be like he's encouraged by his friends you know go and do this go and do this and so like there's just certain points without throughout the film that he gains confidence not through his own arrogance not through his own pride but just through just like people it's like oh he's actually a really cool dude mm-hmm. oh yeah esmeralda who is being very kind and very generous and very loving towards him and like something he's never had before and uh and then you have uh What's the captain's name again? Phoebus. Phoebus means sun god. Yeah, Phoebus. Yes. Boy, that's not um, pretentious at all. No, it's not. I don't blame him for that. That was his parents' fault. Right. Or the writers. It's Victor Hugo's fault. Let's move on. Okay, never mind. I thought he was kind of... That was the character's... I I did a double check. That was apparently his name in the book. Got it. All right, that line wasn't in the book, I don't think, but <laughs> sure, that was a good line though. Achilles heel, mm-hmm. good, good line. Oh my Love gosh, that. good. Love it. If you don't know what we're talking about, go watch the movie. No, no, no. I was gonna say the reason why Achilles heel is funny, yes, because if you don't know about Achilles, he was this guy uh, that was uh, as a War. baby was uh, yeah from the Trojan War. Mm. His mother dipped him in the river sticks mm-hmm. to make him invincible but the place where she kept a hold of him so he she could bring yeah. him back out was his heel uh-huh. and that's became his weak part because it was yeah. the only part that didn't get touched by the water yeah yeah and so that's why it's funny to say achilles heel yeah yeah true sit on the man yeah sit boy <laughs> but let, let, let's, right time wrong show yes exactly. and wrong country wrong country <laughs> And we're, we're not reviewing in Yasha yet. Yet. <laughs> Keywords. <laughs> yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's more like a, a young man who doesn't have confidence and his encounters with other people and that allow him to grow as a person. But, uh, so we, uh, again, trying not to get distracted by the chat. <laughs> It's too good, too good. It's like oh, I want to grow. The, the bad part is yes. the camera is right between me and the chat, so I can't yeah, hardly I, read it. I, I can see it. I can see it. But 
we have uh, Quasimodo's journey from the outcast, who is the young man who doesn't have the confidence, to the one who comes in and sweet, you know, does the right thing and becomes the hero that he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, thankfully, they decided not to go with that first idea of just killing Quasi Quasimodo off from the book. Yeah, yeah, great idea because you want your hero to live, even though he doesn't get the girl. Be like he's still accepted for. Who it he would is. be an odd thing for a Disney film to be a tragedy. If we're being yes, honest, I, I agreed. It would have been a like this would have been be like yeah dark theme. That would have been oh my gosh. Be like, I'm leaving the theater sad. Mm-hmm. I mean maybe a, a pyrrhic happy ending. I what? could see. Yeah, that, you could get probably get away with that. But a full on tragedy? No, that doesn't no. work for Disney. No, that would feel weird. But anyway, right. So, yes, we have this amazing story of a young man who is who goes from basically zero to hero in the most fantastic way that you can see someone who has no self-confidence, kind of like I am in some capacity, to where he is encouraged, encouraged, encouraged Mm -hmm. and triumphs over diversity and, you know, some prejudice in the whole bit and comes out on top. And I enjoy that kind of story. I enjoy where the, the underdog becomes the hero and everybody enjoys it. And it's like, yeah, he doesn't get the girl, but it is a great story. Great. It is a great heroic story of a character. You said underdog. Yes. I said, underdog. and now in my head, I'm hearing speed of lightning, roar of thunder, fighting all who loot and plunder, underdog. Boom. (laughs) Anyway, my third like. Yes. (laughs) This film. Yes. I like that this is, while it is a traditional hero story, it is told from the point of view of the sidekick. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Think of this like Aladdin. Yeah. Phoebus is obviously the Aladdin of this. Granted, he's not. Uh, Aladdin was not quite as good looking as Phoebus was. True. I mean, but he, Phoebus has a really good design. Right. He, he wasn't as lucky, we'll say, as Phoebus was in That's terms true. of his lot in life. Yes. Obviously, Esmeralda would be the Jasmine of this analogy. And who does that leave for Quasimodo? Genie. He is definitely the genie of this relationship, if we're being honest. It, but we never. But th- those movies are never told from that movie was not told from Genie's point of view. It's told from Aladdin's. Mm-hmm. We are see. We do th- this movie does have the boy getting the girl and the girl being the princess. That is true, basically. Yes. But neither one of them are the primary protagonist. Mm-hmm. Quasimodo is the protagonist, and he doesn't get anything. That is true. Other than he gets to leave and gets self respect. And gets a certain judge out of his out of his hair. True. So I mean, I like that this is it's while it's still a classical story, it's told from a different perspective than you normally see. And that's what I appreciate from this. It's he wants the girl, sure, but it's not he doesn't get the girl. He's not yeah. supposed to get the girl. Yeah. Phoebus is supposed to get the girl. You know that from the minute you see him. Right. Right. And you don't really feel bad about it. Okay. Because they're good, all good friends. That is true. So, yeah, I, I like how this is, like I said, a classic hero story from the point of view of the sidekick. Oh, okay. 
So why don't we go ahead and get started on our dislikes? Yes. What's your first? What's my first dislike? Well, I try to remember mine. Going back (laughs) into my notes. Uh, So the be like they're using cap system for this show. I do remember mine. And uh, yes, because you brought it up. Uh, So. This was one of the first, not one of the first, but they're using caps have been used for since uh, 1989. Yeah, because it, it, they had while well, they had test foot tests of it in uh, yeah. Little Mermaid. It was first used for the whole film with uh, rescuers down under. Right, right. So you're using a lot of, uh, you know, cap system the whole bit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of nice are. deep colors. Yes, exactly. So the point I'm trying to get at. So you have these amazing detailed backgrounds mm-hmm. for this movie. And there is, so when you get into the night scenes, we like, and you try to look off in the distance, like, yeah, you see little lights here and there, but everything's just muddy and it's just dull and gray. And, right. And they're understanding you're trying to make, you're trying to set the mood mm-hmm. for the scene, but at the same time be like, can we get a little detail, a little more in the background and not everything feels like it just, it was brushed over with a, like a lacquer. So this is not an excuse or a rationalization or anything like that. This is just as far as I can tell a reason. Yes. So bear in mind, I kind of agree with you. I, I do agree with you, yes. but this might be the why I just kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. With the caps being a digital paint system, it ha- it's going to have a li- a limited gamut of colors that you don't normally get with like regular cell paint. Mm-hmm. So, the, and the weird thing is, is that there's not a lot of dark colors you can actually use. They were probably trying to stay away from Aladdin esque nighttime colors. Agree. Or Lion King esque nighttime colors. I agree. They don't want nighttime in this world to feel magical. Right. And unfortunately, they don't. They, they don't. That doesn't leave them many colors to work with. True. They go with. They don't go with pure black because pure black wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. They have some black in there, but they, they use some kind of brownish purples and blues, mm-hmm. which, like you said, makes it muddy. Yes. Like I said, that's not a that's not an excuse. It's a reason. Yes. Agreed. But yeah, be like I, I would I agree with you, but at the same time, be like going back to be like give the background a little more mm-hmm. pop to make it more noticeable, but not draw your attention all the way. With this, it's just like it's dull and boring. I mean, thankfully. There's not that many nighttime scenes. Agreed. Where you actually have, where that's actually a worry. Yeah. The close others, the scenes that we get close enough, it actually makes they actually use more sunset colors, which works because in most cases that is him and Esmeralda hanging out on top of the cathedral, and then of course the fire, which is all reds and yellows. Oh, okay. But yeah, I know what scenes you're talking about, and thankfully they don't happen as often. Right. So that's kind of why I give it a pass. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So what's your first? Oh, thing? mine's involved with uh, the digital animation, but not with the cap system okay. in this instance, because while caps, like I said, had been used for since 89, they also, this is one of the first times they, they're really using CG mm-hmm. and within the 2d animation. And they grant, they've been using that at least since uh great mouse detective. Yes. But a lot of times up until this point, 
the CG, the three D CG when it's been used has been to uh, highlight, mm-hmm. to accentuate what's going on in a scene. Think um, the uh, the hall that that Belle and Beast are dancing in mm-hmm. in uh, Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, the the wildebeests chasing Simba through mm-hmm. the uh, the canyon. Yeah, the gorge. Yeah, the gorge. You you don't notice the CG in those a lot of yeah. times. And the only reason I know it's CG is because we've reviewed both these films. Yeah. And I've had to research these films and go, oh, that's what that is. In this one, the CG is noticeable because they used it for shortcuts in the filmmaking process. Yeah. Granted, the thing this movie had to do that no other animated Disney film had to do was have crowd scenes. Oh, okay. In uh in that square. Yeah. For the most part, it is fine. The problem is because they're trying to give you know the wild and crazy movement of mm-hmm. cheering and such, the they a lot of times animated very short animation sequences for each of these characters. True, and they loop incessantly. Yes, agreed. You mentioned I think yesterday when we were recording this, there's this one guy who's holding a flag and he just kind of raises it up and down over and over again yeah, like I he's casting, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's yeah. fishing for something. Uh, and, and and it's like that throughout the whole thing. The only thing they actually had to do to fix this was just make longer loops yeah, and right. and uh, and space them out in the crowd where they're not quite as noticeable mm-hmm. that that's what you're doing. And plus, the other thing I don't like about this is some of those uh, characters that are in those backgrounds, they are actually 3D characters. Mm-hmm. And they're noticeable because this is before cell uh, animation was really good. Yeah, I agree. Because you can almost, you can, they're not plasticky, mind you, because they are at least, you know, vector graphics and then yeah. colored in, in uh, caps. Yeah. So it looks, you know, good, but you can tell there's too much three dimensionality to the these characters for their art style. Yeah. And it's, it's distracting to me. And that's why I don't like Now, granted, uh, things like they use for like the bells. Mm-hmm. And granted, they kind of look um, two dimensional in a way that's different from the two dimensional of the world. The rest of the world, it feels like it at least has depth. This feels like it's a flat piece of paper um, in in the shot. Uh, that could have been done a little bit better, but it's just so many points in this where they, I don't know if they were experimenting or if this was the only way they could figure out how to do it, and it just didn't work as well. Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, but yeah, the, the CG shortcuts throughout the entire film are just distracting to me. Fair enough. What's your... Uh, Next dislike. I forgot what number we're on. Two. A uh, two. Uh, my second like kind of bounces off Drew's a mm-hmm. little bit. Uh, it does when you have all these massive crowd shots. Now, granted, this is the first time that Disney used a massive crowd. It was like the biggest crowd they'd done so far until oh, yeah. the next movie we're reviewing, which is Tangled. Yeah, but that's a full 3D film. That's a little bit different. That's true. But also, you do see a lot of repetition of different characters. Right, but they get a lot better about that. Yeah. Like, oh, I agree. I agree. But them and Pixar get a lot better about that. Oh, yeah. I, agreed. But in this film, be like, yeah, there again, they're using new technology. They're using the full advantage of new technology to do bigger and better things and make you the movie experience even better. But you do see a lot of repetition of character designs mm-hmm. throughout the scenes. And it's like, oh, this guy from the market. Oh, this, you see the same guy over and over and over again. And they're in like, like Drew said, like I said yesterday, the first recording was you literally see a guy with a flag. He does this and pull back position. 
feel like he's casting a line. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of found that a little weird. But there again, they there again for kudos for Disney for doing something new and trying new technology to a bigger and greater consent descent consent. That's all right. Extent. Extent. Thank you. Extent. Um, but yeah, that was my but kind of the the rep, the repetition of just characters and big scenes. All right. Yeah. So what's your my second dislike? It's going to be the gargoyles themselves. That's right. Yeah. Because they don't do a good job of making it obvious if these gargoyles are in Quasimodo's head. And this is just personifications of his personality that he's talking to because he has nobody else to talk to because they're that for part of this film. Mm -hmm. And then there's the final battle scene. Mm-hmm. Where they are the ones pouring hot lead and sicking birds on on passersby, Very and true. and one of them is a machine gun for a hot minute. How, if they are personifications in his own mind and 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 figments of Quasimodo's imagination, are they capable of actually doing this? True. Or are they actually real and they somehow turn to stone before anybody else sees them? Grant, there's evidence for that too. Yeah. They don't re. I, you got to go one way or the other. You can't have your cake and eat it too with this one. I'm sorry. I I need to know this is either personifications of Quasimodo's inner thoughts, or if these are actually people who happen to be speaking to him. Right. Because these we only ever see four gargoyles. Right. Uh, turn uh, become alive. I thought it was three. The three gargoyles that we have talked about, plus the one that Claude Frollo is hanging from before he falls into the fiery pit. Yeah, that's true. That is true. It comes alive at the last second. So I'm sitting there going, wait, are these just supposed to be in his head? Or are they supposed to actually be here and somehow nobody notices them? Or at this point, neither Esmeralda or Phoebus, who are up there when this is happening, Mm -hmm. are caring that three stone gargoyles are fire are are causing have raining havoc on the people down below and asking Quasimodo, what's going on? Oh, these are my friends. See, this is Victor. This is Hugo. This is Laverne. It's like. But we. But they're stone statues. It's like, yes, and. How? <laughs> I, but here, but here's the thing that never happens sure. because, as far as I can tell, in that scene, either somehow they did not see any of this happening, mm. or they saw and it, and willfully said, "Oh, that's weird." I'm moving on. Yeah, it's like, hello. If a statue starts moving around, I'm going to be asking. Yeah, asking questions. And then because what, I've what? watched a lot of Doctor Who, I'm going to know not to look at it because what a weeping what 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 views a weeping angel becomes a weeping angel. <sighs> Don't blink. <laughs> yeah. The angels have the phone box. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good thing he doesn't have his Christmas tree up yet. Because he always has a weeping angel up there. Yeah, it is my angel, actually. No, angel on top right, of my tree. Angel, that's right. <laughs> anyway. So don't blink. Don't, bl- don't blink they when you're watching. Oh, toast. There's a reason up until now that the uh, angel has been off screen <laughs> to save y'all. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> But that's the that's the that's my issue here. Okay. It's presented as both figments of Quasimodo's imagination mm-hmm. and actual living beings who are attacking the townsfolk. 
Yeah. They can't be both. <laughs> Pick one. Agreed. It's confusing. And if this live action version that we keep hearing rumors about. If it does happen at all. Needs to fix this. It needs to pick one. Yeah. Either they're real life and in animate objects or they're just stone and they're just be like. And if you still want them to participate in the battle, here's the easy way to fix it. Have one talk to Esmeralda. Yeah. And just then move on. That's it. I mean, granted, we do have that one scene where uh, George Costanza, and that's something, Jason Alexander. Sorry, I, I don't even watch Seinfeld, and I went to Costanza first. Uh-huh. Uh, he he does turn alive long enough to stick his tongue out at Frollo, and Frollo kind of sees him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there is some idea that they're real, but pick one, pick one. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't quite work. What's your third dislike the third dislike i really don't have one and that was my problem too yeah exactly like you you had a really good point last time but yeah but i kind of made that up off the top of my head and i true. now definitely don't remember it yeah but anyway yeah we don't have it as we don't apparently neither no, one of us have a third, those are third so we're gonna leave it here mm. uh jacob what are you rating this film okay so my notes and we had the same rating yesterday i'm curious if it stayed that way okay yeah yeah so there again we did record this yesterday there was bad audio issues yes i made i made a mistake i made a mistake in the settings it happens so i originally uh rated this an Mm 8.5 and there again real i was so torn between that so i'm just giving it a nine it's such a good movie so okay. Like, so I changed it from yesterday to today. So it's a nine. I'm sticking at 8.5. Okay. Because as I said, this is a good movie. Yeah. But in order for me to put it at a nine, to get it higher than where mm-hmm. I'm sitting at, it's got to be something I want to rewatch at a later date. True. It's a good movie. Do not get me wrong. I do not regret my time watching it. In fact, I would be happy to watch this later with somebody else. But if you're talking, I'm sitting here in the apartment, I'm looking for something to watch, and I happen to be going through Disney Plus, and I see Hunchback of Notre Dame on, on the menu, not going to be the button to press. I'm sorry. So, yeah, giving it an 8.5. Fair. Next week, as we have definitely Talk alluded to a, a couple lot. times, we're doing a rewind episode back to Tangled. Mm-hmm. So join us next week for that. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to play the bumpers, and then we're going to go to uh, talk about what we've been watching. The news. The news. And some X-Men. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest playing games with strangers. Playing games with strangers is a family-friendly, actual play tabletop podcast where indie voice actors get together and play tabletop role-playing games. You can listen to the adventures unfold as they roll dice, slay monsters, and have fun all at playinggameswithstrangers.com. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons, Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and not the person get us to take them get off. your name on the show, plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast, plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. So Jacob, I've got a question for you, my friend. Mm-hmm. What have you been watching? 
All right. So what have I been watching? So uh, we had to postpone the two weeks ago. Or a week half ago, uh, we it's have not- a we have a role on the show. The mm-hmm. real life comes first. Yeah, that's true. Not that the podcast isn't real. That's true. But it's, uh, it's, you, it's not you, like a statue, right? You had plans. Yes, I had a plan, and I either forgot about those plans, or I forgot to mention them, or combination of both. <laughs> so, so the, originally we were supposed to do Hunchback of Notre Dame two weeks ago. Oh. But it kind of works out considering some stuff that's going to show up in the news later. So that is true. Uh, interestingly enough, because this is like on the anniversary. This episode it's, is on the like the, the 24th anniversary because it came out this week. Yeah, exactly. It came out like 20, in 96. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like 24 years ago. Weird how that timed out because we did not exactly. plan that. No, but no. uh, yeah, it's been two. It's it was we were supposed to originally do this two weeks exactly. ago. Yeah, because you had plans. I had plans. and then last Friday. I got a headache. You had a headache. Yes, I got a So headache. we tried to record this Sunday. Yes. I had the settings wrong. Audio so it, issues. So it's Monday. So it's Monday. It's, so it's been two weeks. Yes. So what have you watched? What have I watched? So me and my wonderful girlfriend, Ashley, went to uh, Houston. Houston. Did I say it right? Houston? Houston. Make, I don't know the rest of this song. <laughs> but we went to Houston, the... the, the uh, museum district great time um had a great time at a at a library with doing genealogy stuff it was great uh we went to a holocaust museum that's sobering and very humble Mm -hmm. it's like yeah you be like you go in there with a smile you're going to be kind of down because it's terrible it's terrible and it shows exactly what prejudice and hatred towards others looks like so uh so we did that we had some with dinner with two of her friends. Uh, one of them I had actually met before. Didn't realize I met her before, but that was fun. Uh, so then Saturday, Saturday, no, Friday. Friday we hung around. We did a few things. And then we went and saw the musical Wicked. Hint, the same guy who wrote the music for Hunchback Notre Dame wrote Wicked a couple of years later in 2006. So we watched that. First time watching this play because me and her love the music of this. Uh, she does Peloton. She does Wicked Rides. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually were just sitting around one day a couple of months ago. And it's like, because I was like, hey, do you like Wicked? It's like, yeah, I, I enjoyed the soundtrack. Never seen it. It's like, well, I'm actually looking at tickets for Wicked. And it's like, oh, okay. So, yeah, we had that planned. And uh, we had a great time and drove back on Saturday. And um, Gee, do you like Wicked? It's almost like she never listened to our very first episode. Yeah, exactly. Where you kind of went goo goo gaga for Idina Menzel. <laughs> yes. Well, it was me like Idina Menzel is an amazing powerhouse voice. I didn't say she wasn't. Exactly. I what I'm saying behind the scenes, folks, for something that happened four years ago. <laughs> yeah, four years. First ago. episode we're ever recording. Yes. We are learning we should have done more research ahead of time oh my god especially since you didn't have internet and we couldn't get a good decent signal in your apartment to save our lives true and uh, i I mentioned in my apartment i insisted at the time your apartment (laughs) that's true uh because i thought i had a herd of buffalo living above me uh (laughs) so continue but yeah I, I, we're all, we're both on IMDb and I go, oh yeah, uh, uh, Elsa was played by Adina Menzel and she played 
I don't know who I said. Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah, she was. Uh, and, and, you, and you said and you said a name from this musical I had never heard before because yeah. I know nothing <laughs> about Wicked. Yes. Other than it's the tale of what of what happens to the Wicked Witch of the. It's a prequel to Oz, basically. Not kind of. It's and a it's, it's, a, it's a story about the witch, witches and yeah. all that stuff. That's, that's all I know about it. And you go, yeah, she played Ephaba. And I go, she did a what now? <laughs> that is true. That is true. Because I didn't know what an effable was. And I think I even said it wrong yeah, at the it time. I, I was like, I corrected you. It's like, I don't know what an effuba is. <laughs> that <laughs> is, is true. Anyways, isn't, that yeah. the, isn't that the, the, the sponge that you wash yourself with? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry. So, I, I, so, if you want to hear something really cringy, go back to, go our, back first, to our very first episode. Very first episode. That's cringy, no ma- there's, that's cringy no matter how you look at it. Yeah, very, very, very cringy. But, uh, so, yeah, we watch Wicked, amazing uh, musical. Go watch it. It's currently in Houston right now. And I believe I talked with another uh, patron who's also watched, uh, not patron, the part of our show, but someone who was watching the show along with us uh, said, I think next year it's going to be in Austin, Texas. Hmm. So if you're in the Texas area and you want to go see Wicked, it's going to be there next year, as far as I understand. But love that. And then, so what else have I been watching? So let me turn. That's a good question. Yeah. What else have I been watching? After that long explanation about Wicked, um, so I watched. Uh, so last week, last week I was in for three days. I was in the gas station at where I work, and so you're allowed to watch whatever as long you know appropriate stuff, obviously. Uh, so I watched on Disney Plus Stan Lee, which is a documentary over Stan Lee the man mm-hmm. and his you know what, what means yeah. Stan the man Lee Stan the man Lee. Um, so that, uh, two documentaries over ancient, ancient sites, they're rediscovering the whole bit really, really good. And, um, I'm just going to say this because there again, we record yesterday and we're re-recording now. So when I got home yesterday Mm -hmm. and started started working on artwork for another project we're working on, uh, with geek devotions, which will probably be out before this is probably. Uh, so I sort of kind of, I picked up where I was. So I was watching Spider-Man, the animated series on Disney plus, And I think I'm in, I was in season three into season four. So yeah, that was interesting. That was fun. It was like, Oh, I you totally tr- forgot they did that. You trying to time it for a certain episode of our show? Not really. Oh, it would be interesting if it did. Oh, I agree. I, I was halfway expecting to be like, okay, when did the X-Men show up? But season not- two. Season two? I think it was season two. Okay. But uh, that is, as of right now, except for listening to a lot of podcasts, which I do, which are more like true crime or news or faith-based. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, season two. I just looked it up. Excellent. That that explains where uh, at one point... Uh, I think Spider-Man's fighting a villain, and it's like, yeah, you need to meet my my friend Wolverine. You guys will have a great time. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But anyway, so that's what I've been watching and listening to. What have you been watching, listening to, or playing in your case? Yeah, so the last time we recorded this was Sesame Street, which was two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. I had a brain fart in the middle of the show, and I forgot to mention what I had watched the weekend before. 
Okay. Because this month I have watched three theatrical films. Yeah. In theaters. One of them was uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Which I keep hearing is It is good. good. It is real good. good. It is good enough. It's already on our schedule. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) Not till next year, but it's on our schedule already. It's there. Uh, I had to give it enough time to show up on video. I hope so. the weekend after that, I saw Transformers: Rise, Rise of the Beasts. Yes, which was, which mantra. which I realized watching it. This was be this is the first time trans, live action Transformers films that actually hits my nostalgia gland. Uh, really? Yeah, because I didn't watch the original Transformers growing up. Yeah. Okay. My first Transformers show was Beast Wars. Yes. So Optimus Primal is my Optimus Prime. Or 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 in this case, yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I own the entire series on DVD because I was like, I Un- have to have this. Unfortunately, my favorite fire ant did not show up. Uh Inferno. Yes. Yes, and, my queen. <laughs> and unfortunately, Megatron was not well, in this in any way, shape, or form, which was kind of sad. Disappointing. It's like, but I like my T-Rex Megatron. And no that's a decent excuse for Frank Walker to come back. Yes, or at least the original guy who did did the voice yeah i don't know who did it but oh so uh, good but yeah the movie was a popcorn muncher it's not yeah it's it's better than a lot of the other bayformers yeah but i mean it's still it's like oh that's a thing yeah that was that was fun oh and and here's a fun fact uh while beast wars was part of the inspiration for this another uh movie that we have reviewed was also an inspiration for this film really that's all i'm gonna say okay uh, just uh, whoever that voice actor was, just not hold a candle to Orson Welles. Oh That's all I'm saying. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Anyway, third film. Yes. The Flash. Was it any good? It was a popcorn muncher. Of the two multi, it was a multiverse film. Yes. And of the two multiverse films I've seen this month. Spider-Verse was better. Yeah. Uh, it's not that it was bad. It's just it's is a, uh, a good example of what, ha- what what Warner Brothers did to what Zack Snyder was doing. Mm. That's the best way I know how to do that. Say that. What, whatever Zack Snyder was attempting to go for, granted, I was not a fan uh, as much of the Snyder films. I appreciate what they were doing, but it's they're just not my kind of films. But even what he was doing, which this Flash is based on that character from those movies, it's not even doing a good job with that. Mm -hmm. It is. It's okay. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not, but it's not one I want to own. It's not the best adaptation of Flashpoint. Okay. Sorry. Super Nicholas Cage playing Superman does not save it. Or apparently another Batman shows up apparently. I always thought Clooney was a better Bruce Wayne than he was a Batman. Oh, agreed. Completely agreed. And of course, Val Kilmer couldn't. Yeah. But Adam West showed up for a hot second. So did George Reeve and Christopher Reeve. Yeah. And uh, Eartha Kitt. Wow. As Catwoman. Yes. yes. The one that was also... Uh, Next called her Esmeralda. It's not that character's <laughs> name. Yeah. 
Esme? Yzma. Yzma. Wrong level. Yeah, that one. Yeah, Yzma. She makes, you can hear her voice for a hot second. Hmm. And I'm going, yeah, this is cool and all. But this is so much fluff. This is cotton candy. Mm. It tastes good for the second it's there, and then it's gone. Mm. It is nostalgia used in a cur- incorrectly. Mm. It's it's like uh, a raccoon who gets a hold of some cotton candy and then puts it in water. Then he's sad. It was a video I saw once. Okay, as I say, that's a reference to something I recognize, and I can't point at what it is. Yeah, it's a video. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't bad. That's, that's all I'm saying. It just wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, also, I have been watching uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Okay. First two episodes I've, I've watched so far. Mm. show is actually very good. I'm looking forward to seeing Thursday what we're doing. Uh, it's apparently going to involve James T. Kirk again. Mm. That will be interesting. Yeah, because I remember what I've heard, they replaced the actor. Well, they kind of had to. Mm. William Shatner's a bit old. No, no, no. Like the like the like the guy who played uh Okay. Kirk. <laughs> right now there's three Kirks. Shatner, Pine, and I can't think of the, the guy's name on Strangers New Worlds. Uh, I apologize. Well, never mind. It's the same guy from from the end of the last season. Okay. Well, never mind. To my knowledge. But uh again, this is not a Star Trek podcast so yeah not till we get around to reviewing uh, lower deck season five four four when that happens and this guy's gonna geek out like but speaking of star trek animated stuff i've been watching another show yes that i believe it or not this is a star trek show i did not watch before Mm -hmm. and it's from the 70s oh star trek the animated series right that is one goofy show. It is the seventies. Here's the thing: it is a hey, seventies era filmation, mm-hmm. Saturday morning cartoon to the teeth. Yet it's also Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It is still that high quality of writing, right? And the acting is still kind of on the good, but you're still talking about giant pink troubles, fair, and a giant clone of Spock. It's goofy. It's weird. It's what you expect from a Saturday morning cartoon from the people who made He-Man if they were making a sci-fi show. And yet it's still well-written and well-acted, strangely enough. So at some point I may put that one on the TAS list because I don't think it'll take us that long to go through. Okay. Makes sense. When we need something short. Um, Because it's only like 26 seasons, 26 episodes, I believe. I could be wrong on that account, but anyway. Uh, other than that, only the other thing I've been watching is Car Ranger hmm. for an upcoming project. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. So Jacob, what do we have in the news? The Cellcast News with your host Jacob Heron. Why thank you, Dealit, and getting into the news. Uh, so, I'm curious if you remember the one I brought yes, up yesterday. Yes, I do. Just curious. Yes. Uh, 
because I thought you were going to bring it up during what you watched. I didn't watch any of that show this week. That is true. So, anyways, uh, so getting into the news, uh, Crunchyroll is doing making the summer of Dragon Ball fans a little more excited. The anime streaming service will be offering 15 beloved animes, our animated animated films from the franchise from the Dragon Ball franchise in three bunches, uh, beginning on June twenty June twenty second. Followed by followed that by June 29th through July 9th. So if you're on Crunchyroll right now, you can probably catch some of these right now. This is probably their excuse to actually finally put these movies on Crunchyroll. That is true, because they're not there right now. No. They have they have OG Dragon Ball. They've got uh, Z. Mm-hmm. They've got GT, and they got Super. Yeah, but they don't have any of their movies except Weird. for Battle of Gods and. Uh, Resurrection, the, the new movies they have yeah, on there. Broly. And, Broly. And it's superhero. Super. I don't know if it's there because I've been seeing it in other spots anyway. Uh, but anyway. Okay. All right. So uh, the first film, the first Dragon Ball movie they're going to be showing is Dragon Ball Z, The Dead Zone. We've already reviewed that film. So if you want to go listen to that, go listen to that. On well, I hope you packed your bags, kid, because you're going on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And uh, yeah, Abila, I think Dragon Ball Z Dead Zone. I think of <laughs> Dragon Ball Z Abridged. Dragon Ball Z Abridged version, which is funny, but it brings out a really good point at the very end. And it just makes you know, our, our main character even dumber than he is already. <laughs> That's, th- I'm going to make that point because it, it's so good. I, I think Piccolo is dead. I think that you know. <laughs> Are you still there? Yes. Well, then he ain't dead, is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. That's so good. Team Four Star. Just oh, we, we may have to review that at some yes. point. Yes. Oh my gosh. Just give Team Four Star some love because uh, certainly Toei won't. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I was going to show you. Remind me to show you that. Yes. Show you something. Yes. Oh when my we get gosh. Done. <laughs> I was trying to think of it before you came over here, and it's just like couldn't think of it yeah because yeah drew told me something is like oh my gosh i want to see that i'll go ahead and say it here team four star bless their hearts mm-hmm. bless their hearts they are really good with the good people at funimation to the point where uh krillin and uh, one or two other people have actually shown up on the show on mm-hmm. team four star and uh some of the voice actors have actually appeared in actual dragon ball media playing different extra characters but the coup de gras was going to be during Dragon Ball Z Kai mm-hmm. during the final chapters when they do that scene where they, they're at the World Martial Arts Tournament mm-hmm. and uh, they're showing the scenes from what happened at the Cell Games to show how Hercule saved the world from the evil Cell mm-hmm. after the pretenders mucked it up. <laughs> right. It's always about And Hercule. they were going to have Team Four Star playing the character, the, the actors. <laughs> That's hilarious. Including, you know, the guy who does Piccolo, playing Piccolo, <laughs> or Piccolo with the quotation marks, and Vegeta, the Prince of All Scions. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's really sad we didn't actually get that because Toei yeah. found out and said no. Yeah. Replace course. the audio. Yes. So. Uh, they're starting with Dragon Ball Z, Dead Zone. We've already done that. Plug here. Um, and wraps up with the 2009 blockbuster 
Dragon Ball Super Broly from 2019. I still think the best Dragon Ball film. I agree. I agree because we were we were going to review Super Super Superhero. I let you borrow Broly yes. when we were getting ready to go see Superhero because I for our reaction. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did was because I suspect it was going that was you were it, we would need to at least know where the yeah. characters left mm-hmm. off. Exactly. Now I would say like Dragon Ball Super Broly was really good. And it does tell the story a lot better than the original. I still enjoy the original Dragon Ball. Like yes, and I Brawley. and I enjoy Batman and Robin. <laughs> I'm not kidding, but I'm sure it's the same reasons here, not for the reason they intend. Yeah, exactly. It's well, like uh, anyway, anyways, anyway. So yeah, they're doing that. Um, apparently, uh, Disney's news theatrical film coming out, Wish is getting pushed uh, it's the getting a longer theatrical release uh, according to Disney CEO uh, Jennifer Lee from Frozen and Frozen 2 you mean the film will make more money if we leave it in theaters longer shocker why? isn't that amazing news yeah, yeah cuz be like yeah cuz Disney just do better let's just say yes that. yeah just do better Definitely with Pixar. Come on. Come on. But uh, so, yeah, apparently Wish will be having extended life in theaters. So I know we're probably going to go watch this film because, you know, it's Disney. You watch it. And- I don't I don't know. We knew that we never got around to watching Elemental. That's right. We did it. <laughs> it's a Pixar film. Too. And it's out. It's in theater. Neither one of us went and watched it. Nope. Nope. They even got it. Even my brother mentioned that. It's like, yeah, you guys haven't watched that yet. It's like, no, we haven't. Didn't think about it. Admittedly, it's not one I was looking forward to, but yeah. That is true. But either or. So yeah, that that will be released and Disney's Wish will be opening theaters on November 3rd. And news that I didn't know about, Drew told me yesterday. So I'm just going to reiterate yeah. what he said. So apparently uh, with the mass... So there's... Go ahead. I'll, I'll do it Go if ahead. you don't mind. There are actually two currently airing Star Trek animated sh- programs on. I nearly said Disney Plus on Paramount Plus. One is Lower Decks, which is exclusive to Paramount Plus, and the other is Star Trek Prodigy, which is a co-production with Nickelodeon. Yes. Paramount Plus has canceled the show, and so now Nickelodeon and while they are still going to let them finish season two, mm-hmm. at the very least, they're shopping around the show to take somewhere else because not only are they going to show season two elsewhere, they're taking season one off Paramount Plus, which is stupid. Granted, it's not a blow your socks off kind of show. Right. It is similar to Star Wars The Clone Wars in terms of writing style but except a little brighter because it's a little bit more of a happy-go-lucky show in a way. Right. It still has its dark moments, but it's still more of an adventure story aimed at kids, basically, is what I'm getting at, with, with a Star Trek twist. Yeah. And there's even a great uh, episode that uh, brings back audio from characters, from actors who have already passed. And it was a great send-up to them. Uh, anyway... It's a good. It, Paramount is, is stopping the show because I don't know why. 
Yeah. Other than I'm assuming it's like everybody else. They're just trying to knock off what they think is not making money. Right. Granted, I don't actually know what it costs to host a television show on a streaming service. It could be far more expensive than I think it is. Right. But I see no reason to remove it, to be honest. And just go ahead and let them put out their second season. And then you don't have to bring it up anymore. Because the thing is, Paramount Plus, it probably didn't do good because of you. Because here's what happened with that show. Last year, we had six months of constant Star Trek. Every week, we had a new episode of something Star Trek, be it Strange New Worlds, Picard Season 2, Lower Decks, and then Prodigy. Mm -hmm. Unlike the other shows that got, you know, 10 weeks to do their thing, Prodigy was sprinkled throughout each season. So we had, we would get three episodes or three or four episodes of Prodigy, then Picard, then three or four episodes of, three or four more episodes of Prodigy, then Lower Decks, and then three or four more uh, Lower Deck, you know, Prodigy, and then we end it with Strange New Worlds. And it's like, how can you keep up with characters when you put this much gap between their episodes? Nobody does that. Eh. Sorry, it's an annoyance. Yes, I agree. But yeah, that's all I have for the news. So why don't we talk about some X-Men? Yeah, let's talk about some X-Men. Previously on X-Men. Meet a sulky, over-funky, kind of hunky superhero. Hot to twisted and electrically transistored superhero. And exotically neurotic. His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. now entering the better adaptation of the phoenix saga than we've ever gotten before yes granted i don't know if x-men evolution or if wolverine the x-men ever did any of the phoenix stuff those two shows right so i could be wrong there they may have done just as good what i do know is the movies that did the storylines dirty but anyway, Dark Phoenix yep. Saga Part 1, Dazzled, which came out originally on September 12th, 1994, and Dark Phoenix Saga Part 2, The Inner Circle, also came out September 9th, uh, September 12th, 1994. Both episodes directed by Larry Houston, 
uh, and written by Jan Strand and Stephen Levy for uh, respectively. In these episodes, Jean is beginning to lose control and the Phoenix begins to brazenly take, an o- take over her will. Brazenly take over at will. I can't read. When Mastermind tries to force Phoenix to kill Cyclops, she finally breaks free of the psychic controls on her, leaving the X-Men to fight for themselves. Getting into the guest cast, we've got Nigel Bennett as Mastermind, Walker Boone as Donald Pierce, David Bryant as Sebastian Shaw, Jeff Kennert as Harry Leland, Tracy Moore as Emma Frost, and Dazzler, who shows up in this. Mm-hmm. She is played by Catherine Disher. Yeah. Do you know who else Catherine Disher plays on the regular cast? Who? Jean Grey. Oh, that's rich. That's rich. That is really rich. <laughs> Trivia for that's this episode. Extremely buttered over rich. Yes. Trivia for these episodes. The four episodes, these first two and the ones two recording next week, are an adaptation of the story of the same name from Uncanny X-Men numbers 129 through 138, published in 1980. In the original comics, the Inner Circle Club was actually known as the Hellfire Club. This was changed in the series due to censorship because of the controversy of the word using Hellfire in a children's program. Not that Disney had trouble with that two years later. Mm-hmm. When Wolverine faces down one of the inner circle guards, he paraphrases Dirty Harry's Magnum speech from Dirty Harry. Yes. Well, and he says it right because everyone says it wrong. They say, they, they say, do you feel lucky, punk? That is not the line. No. And he starts from the whole thing. If I had it in front of me, I'd say the whole thing. Yeah. But the, it ends like you got to ask yourself, did he fire six times or seven? To be honest, I lost count myself. So you got to ask yourself, do you feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm sitting there watching going, you're not quoting this Wolverine word for word. Oh, you are. And it's not ending anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cal Dodd, you wonderful man, you. <laughs> <laughs> That is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire thing because Wolverine goes shop on everybody. Also, some trivia for this. I brought up Dazzler. Yes. Dazzler is the most failed character in Marvel Comics. Uh, That's probably not exactly fair. She was created for a a special comic book series Mm -hmm. that they were were going to, they were trying to uh, pair up or collaborate with a, any record company they could find to essentially make a pop star that Marvel would own yeah. and make comics for. Mm-hmm. And it, it kept saying it was coming and it never came till they finally just started making comics about her. And of all her appearances, this is probably her most well-known Agreed. because she wasn't even her, her base power set wasn't even finalized at the time comics about her were coming out. Yeah. Dazzler, proto jubilee, proto jubilee. It's like yeah, she, but like yeah, she was more prominent in the eighties because she was in X Men, you know, uh, the pri- uh, she was in Pride of the X Men, Pride of the X Men, and she has actually already appeared in this show, and we missed it. Yeah, we missed it. She was in Mojo Vision, hanging yes. out on Mojo World. Yes. Honestly, I know why we didn't see it. There was too much other nonsense going on on screen in that episode. That is true. <laughs> Uh, just also look this up. Be like Dazzler. Be like 
her most recent appearance was in 2019 in the comics. Oh, that doesn't, that makes sense. You, yeah. you, she's there's always reasons to bring uh, new characters up. Howard exactly. the Duck keeps showing up for crying out loud. Yeah, that's true. He's not been popular in years, except in MCU. But anyway, that's true. At least as far as I know, I could be wrong, folks. So yeah, what are your thoughts on this episode? Uh, I enjoyed it. It'd be like there again, like Drew said, it'd be like the the first uh, round of X Men movies tried to do the X the the Phoenix Saga. Or try to do anything. They did. Their- they they tried to do Dark Phoenix Saga. Yeah, except they also work. except they also didn't do Dark Phoenix yeah. Saga. They and then Dark Phoenix. Yeah, which is which was the, the first Disney X Men movie. Technically, that is true. And I uh, really, really. It, it is. Out. It is very bad, and it doesn't. It, it kind of also is doing this story, but also it's apparently not. <laughs> The Hellfire Club's not even in it. Yeah. It, Ironically, uh, they were in first class. They were in first class because <laughs> it was a good movie. It was a good movie. And they didn't make they didn't make no connections. Like, oh yeah, Emma Frost, uh and all these other people. Yeah, we're gonna turn Jean Grey evil. Okay. <laughs> it's like they well, never did that. It's like my, come on, guys. My thought, my thought if they were gonna do something, just adapt what they did in the cartoon. And just make that into a really good movie because then you get Help Our Club, you get Sebastian Shaw, you get all these amazing, and plus you get Wolverine being a he is. Can you imagine Hugh Jackman quoting Dirty Harry? Harry? Oh, yeah, because it's, it's Hugh Jackman. So, I mean, he's going to show up in the MCU at least once, we know, but yeah, he is next year. Next year, can't sneak. believe that's next year. Yeah, sneak. I, I really hope that. Hugh Jackman in that film is not actually Wolverine, and it's and it's Deadpool knowing Hugh Jackman played Wolverine in another universe, and it's kind of convinced him to be be Wolverine. Oh no! I really kind of want to be something silly like that. I, I agree, but at the same time, it's because you can't because ha- he's we already know Hugh Jackman does not want to return fully for for yeah Wolverine, so we're gonna need a MCU Wolverine at some point. Yeah, so. Yeah, that kind of makes sense that he's convinced himself that it's that, you know, Hugh Jackman is actually Wolverine yeah. and it gets him to tag along. <laughs> it's like, okay. I don't know. I'm guessing. I don't know what Deadpool 3 is going to be. Yeah, same here. None of us do. But uh, other I, than that, will probably be better fourth wall breaking than She-Hulk. Right. And I want him to talk about how horrible that fourth wall break was. Oh, that would be hilarious. Just, Just like say that. Really? You're going to make Kevin Feige a robot? <laughs> but uh, going back to our episode. <laughs> Sorry, I got of off the, the review of going off tangents. Like, so, like, we never do tangents, do we? Tangents? What's a tangent? Yeah, exactly. Right. So you know, the, the night is getting late. So. What do you mean I don't know what a tangent is? Say it's not so Okay, sorry. We were chasing a rabbit. Are you happy? No, because the rabbit got away. Okay, moving on. That is true. At least I get to turn to a dog and had to chase the rabbit this time. Thankfully. Oh, no. Don't give her any ideas. Okay. Scratch that from the record. Anyways, going back to X-Men, the M8 series, and the Dark Phoenix. Uh, I enjoyed this episode. You get the introduction or the second edition or the actual introduction of Dazzler. 
as a character. Well, actually, we saw her in Mojo World, apparently. We didn't see her, so that's our fault. It was a cameo. Yeah, small cameo. Just like uh, Iron Patriot, is that his name? Oh, no, uh, Rhodes. What's what's his Iron Man name? Uh, Iron Soldier? War Machine. War Machine. War Machine has shown up. Doctor Strange has shown up for yes. five seconds. Daredevil in his oldest costume was on a poster. Uh, Spider-Man, you see his hand for like... For f- and that's because the show was starting at that time. Yeah, so. Exactly. So, uh, so we get her introduction. We get Jean Grey is back, which we apparently. get... Apparently. He has to remember, we are watching this in a slightly different order than it originally broadcasted exactly. in. Because the way this actually broadcast, we had... Uh, F- the Phoenix Saga. I think obs- uh, Obsession, I think, was in there. And then Strange uh, Strange Lands Wild Heart or Wild La- Lands yeah, Strange or whatever the name of the episode yeah, was. I, and then Dark Phoenix Saga. Yeah. So the whole time when Cyclops was hanging out try- fighting the Purple Man, yeah. that was season five. Yeah. And that's the first, only time they say, oh, Jean Grey uh, is hanging out on Moore Island because we found her. And we're going, and we what? didn't even see her. We just got one line to say she was there. Well, I would, I would well, say we did see a picture of her we, on the hologram. We tank. did see a picture of her. Oh, she's alive. And for but this was in season five. Yeah, season five. What the heck? We didn't get to see this and it originally aired. So this episode starts and oh, look, Jean Grey's back. When did that happen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like, think Strange Lands did have a mention of her a little bit. But that, that was still. the strange part. Yeah, it's like yeah, because they go they go there and Wolverine says it's like it's like yeah we're over here and everybody else is on Mirror Island, Island taking care of Jean, take care of Jeannie. It's like what? <laughs> okay, okay. And then this and then, and this episode starts off with okay. In case you missed last time, here in the context of the story, we're going to tell exactly what happened to Jean Grey. She was turned into the Phoenix. She had to stop the Mcron Crystal from going bonkers. They didn't bring in the state. The Shi'ar Empire was there, but they didn't talk about them. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even see Jonathan Frakes. No. Which should have been voiced by. It should have been actually. That's not who it was, but that's who I say it should have been. Yeah, it should have been because that character looked like Jonathan Frakes. And I can hear. And that would have been the perfect voice for for yes. Cyclops's dad. <laughs> can you imagine your 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 Scott Summers and you realize oh. The guy who can't even sit down in a chair straight is my father. <laughs> oh my gosh! Be like so. So my dad is number 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 two. Number, number one. one. Number one. That's right. But he's, he's the third number one. But anyway, yeah, nuance. But uh, I really enjoyed this episode because it does do a lot of good storytelling. Definitely with the the inner circle, the help the Hellfire Club. With Sebastian Shaw and his ability, Emma Frost, which I think this is our first appearance to. Um, we get her introduction, mm-hmm. uh, and she does a lot more stuff in the comics than poor Dazzler does. Um, Emma Frost, I think, has also been announced for coming back in uh, 97, which starts next year, I found out. Oh, next January year. 24 is when it's apparently supposed to start. Oh, okay. I, I, I read it the other day. I thought it was going to be coming this next month, 
but it, it changes it seems regularly I know, I know this is but it and spider-man were supposed to come out this year but i think it lo- it's looking more and more like it's been pushed back oh, we'll probably yeah. find out more next month probably probably but uh i enjoyed this episode we get a lot more in like introduction of like why the phoenix is still here why she's doing this why a lot of explanations going on we get uh the X-Men get pulled into the inner circle and the, Such the a dumb name. I agree. Just call it the Herald fire club. Disney won't have a problem with it. Two years from now. What do you care? Fox? Right. Or should I say Saban Saban? Right. But I enjoyed it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the scene where Wolverine gets pile drived into the, uh, <laughs> The, the lower sections of the inner circles. Yeah. And just be like, well, he goes wrecking shop at all these goons. And that great line he gives to mm-hmm. uh, where he be kind of paraphrases Dirty Harry in a way, but it's just so well done. And I, I, I love that. That is so well done. And be like, I, I, I want to find that clip and just put it on our social media sites because it's so good oh my god yeah or just go watch the show go watch the episodes they're well, really good one of the things i like about this is they're trying to get gene gray back to normal yeah and they do it not by cyclops because yeah. cyclops is too ninny headed in this episode to be of any good to uh to what's going on because he's so worried about gene yeah yeah he goes to a club to go well he was actually working kind of yeah Technically, well, no, he actually wasn't not at the beginning, but I mean, when when it was obvious she, Dazzler was getting attacked, then he was working. Yeah, and that's why he went back the second night was yeah. to make to which causes Gene to get jealous or Phoenix or Phoenix jealous, actually to get jealous. jealous, and it's Wolverine's memories yeah. that finally break her free of mm-hmm. the inner circle's clutches. Yeah, which can I just say I have to appreciate one thing that. Uh, saban and fox did at this time mm-hmm. and that's have the guts to actually use the costumes from the comics for both emma frost and the black queen true because emma frost is well known from this time to see how much how how much can we take off and still have her be clothed yes what mm-hmm. what scantily clad costume can we put her in this week yeah she is the ice queen after all why would the cold bother her anyway Wonk, wonk, wonk. It was a bad joke. That Moving was a on. Bad joke, but it was funny. It was funny, yes. I mean, it's painfully obvious that this is how Fox knew they could get away with uh, Diva Talks and Astronema and <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, every other yes. half dressed <laughs> villainous in Power Rangers. Rangers. That is true. Which is just a weird thing to think about at this time because. I don't know. It's just still the '90s. The censors were paying attention. That is true. how the censors never caught any of this. I'll never know. True, but overall, Bill, I enjoyed this episode. I can't wait to get into parts three and four to wrap this story up because I, I know it gets a little worse. Um, things are going to go downhill. Yeah, I'm trying in a ball of flame, right? And and this is there's only one other story after Phoenix. Dark Phoenix saga that I remember from this show, mm-hmm. and that was uh, the trial of Jean Grey with the Shi'ar Empire. I remember a scene or two from that. Yeah, 
And I don't know when that happens. I'm assuming at the end of season three. Yeah. And from there, I'm going to be in the dark. And I don't. And the thing is, I know from the comics that she dies at the end of the storyline again. And then is wakes up uh, in a capsule under the water because that wasn't actually Gene. Yeah. Comics. Um, So I don't know how they're going to work that here. So I'm I'm interested in seeing that. Yeah. Because so next week we are going to be watching parts three Mm -hmm. and four of the dark phoenix saga yep. along with tangled boy there's a combination yeah. uh, <laughs> so join us next week for that uh in the meantime this has been drew this is Jacob, and we'll catch you hang on i forgot to mention somebody wasn't here And we'll catch you in the next frame. <laughs> you can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's Photo Bin, to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, <laughs> Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. what that means you keep using that word i don't think it means what you think it means yeah